Looking to stand out from the pack at your first job? When you earn a master's in management from Georgetown, you'll gain the skills employers value most, elevating your career prospects for years to come. Get started at choosegeorgetown.com slash MIM. It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the faculty chair of autonomous vehicle engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Uh, good morning, Fred. Good morning, and from Sweden, we're happy to have with us again Michael Senna, well-known expert and publisher of the Dispatcher newsletter. Thanks for being here with us, Michael. Always a pleasure, Fred. Thank you. Great having you. Well, you, let's start out with the latest edition of the Dispatcher. Very worthwhile reading again, Michael, and you put an awful lot of work into it. The lead article is Ready or Not, Here Comes the Waymo Taxi Robot. A great look at where Google has been with Waymo and where it is going. Tell, tell us about some of the key takeaways here. Well, the main reason I wrote the article, Fred, was that, that uh, there's been an awful lot of speculation over the, the years that, that um, Google and, and now Waymo have been active in this area. They've got a long history. Um, they have been at it for, I don't know, maybe six, seven years. And we've gone from seeing their, their little uh, Fiat Cinquecento type automobile <laughs> to now to now having them saying, we're, we're going live. We're going to start taking riders. And uh, with all the speculation, I, I just thought it would be good to put out a view, uh, my view, that they are in this and they're going to be running a business, and they're going to be taking lots of data, and this fits right in with Alphabet, Google's business plan. It's it's part of their strategy. 86% of the income for Alphabet comes from, from ads, and this is just another way of getting ad income and uh, supporting the supporting the business. Describe for us a little... Describe for us a little bit more about how that business model is going to work. Uh, for people who are wondering, why is Google doing this? Right. I, I, put a, I put a few diagrams in here. One diagram shows the, the Google advertising model. Uh, it's important to, to keep in mind that, that we, users of their search, primarily their search engine and, and other types of uh, activities, um, we're users. We're not their customers. Their customers are the people who pay the money. We get most of the things that we get for, are free, although when we do buy things, we also are providing them with lots of data. So as a user, we get something, search or some other form of service, and we provide them with lots of data, which Google then processes and sells in different ways uh, to, their, to the real customers who are the, the, the businesses. If you apply the same model to the to the uh, Waymo taxi, the ride user is going to pay something. We're not really sure what, it's, what the ride user is going to pay. They're still working out how much it's going to be. But in any case, they'll, they'll, be, they'll need to be undercutting other, other services because basically the person who's going to be doing this isn't in this for, for the excitement, uh, maybe, maybe initially, but in the end, they just want to get from one place to the other. Uh, and it's going to depend on, on money. So they'll pay something, maybe. Um, but 
Waymo is going to be providing the OEM with, with uh, something, the car OEMs. That in this case, the, the first ones out will be the Chrysler Pacificas. Uh, Google will pay, most likely pay the, the OEM something when someone clicks on an ad in those, in those vehicles, and that'll, they'll have nice big screens where they can have the possibility to do all kinds of things surfing on the, on the net. Um, but the basic business model is exactly the same. Google will be, be uh, providing data and getting money from their business customers. And the ride user, instead of the, the search user, the ride user will be providing money for uh, the, the possibility for Google to, to continue to support that business model by providing data. So it's an extension of the, of the, the current business model that Google ha has and has had since it figured out what it was going to be doing with its life. Do you think consumers should be wary, concerned about any privacy issues once they uh, add this into the overall Google mix? I wouldn't get in one of those taxes, but I don't use Google. <laughs> you know, of course they should. Of course, I don't have Facebook. I don't have Twitter. I don't do all of those things. Because Me neither. I okay. So, but, yeah, but I'll get it. But go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, they should be, but they won't be. I mean, they don't, most people don't really care. They get a free, free search. They get, you know, whatever they get for free. And Google makes, makes lots of money. So, you know, everybody seems to be happy with that approach. Um, I think it's going to be difficult for them to do this, a similar sort of service in Europe, but uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, it, of course, uh, um, Google has the advertising model and, and, uh, and the advertising model. It's, it's just worked it, um, enormously well. And, um, you know, I think it's worked well for certainly worked extremely well with Facebook, which is just a shock to me. But that, that's, um, that's a whole other story because I don't think, uh, well, the the uh, a slightly different way, and and uh, not to debate this, but slightly different way to look at it. That the advertising model is a connection model. I mean, I think, in, and in fact, if if you look at the at Facebook, Amazon, um, uh, Google, in some sense, their connection model, and and the model that that Amazon sort of originally put out there is. Uh, is the connection is is the connection for the, the needle in a haystack to find the other needle in the haystack? Uh, it's not only for one to find a needle in a haystack; it's for the needle in a haystack to find a needle in a haystack. I mean, that's what the whole uh, book business, rare book business, or out of print book business was was all about. It's it's to it's to be able to. Um, to do that in some sense that's what search is search is um geez you're looking for something and it's usually a needle in a haystack and that's what makes it tough otherwise it'd be easy to find you wouldn't bother um the connection uh, the connection with advertising is that is that uh, again uh I, you know i want something and uh and uh geez i don't i don't know where to get it i don't know how to get it so put the information out there and and somehow somebody finds um what i need part of the problem is is that when the one of the thing is that uh, that uh, it's not what i really want it's what somebody else convinces me that i want uh that tells me that that, that makes the whole thing and then problematic that's when it becomes propaganda 
and um, and um, the propaganda piece of it then then of course uh, really gets us oh my goodness uh, you start using that word or at least maybe uh, maybe because of my age uh, the word propaganda sends uh, sends chills up and down my spine because I guess the information system uh, when I grew up told me propaganda is wrong because the Ruskies are doing it or something like that. I don't know. Um, but um, in some sense, that's what it is. And, and when you look at, at what Waymo have, actually does is uh, in, in, in providing that, that connection, uh, it, it connects us with where might, we might want to go. So, you know, uh, that's looking at it in, in a positive way. Uh, your comment with respect to um, to knowing what's uh, – or your privacy, uh, uh, you know, I, I think uh, Facebook tries to tell us we don't have any privacy. Uh, we don't have any privacy. There's no doubt there's going to be an enormous pipe in there if you just look at the – what the Waymo just released with respect to their uh, uh, dealing with um, with public safety and in case something happens and and um, sort of emergency response and when if the thing should break down, I mean, uh, they make it clear they have a pipe in there to be able to uh, know what's going on, uh, put the windows down. Uh, uh, um, communicate with the police uh, and so on and so forth. And of course, I guess we would want it uh, um, uh, in an elevator. You know, I kiss my wife every once in a while in an elevator and then, you know, oh my goodness, you know, the guy downstairs or the gal downstairs at the desk, um, oh Jesus, you know, there are cameras in there. And, um, mm-hmm. Of course, there's going to be, uh, and, and in some sense, we would want it to be, uh, because uh, certainly, uh, if we have it in a shared ride context, which I think is the only context that ends up making any sense, where we can share rides when when, when we can, then in fact, uh, to sort of um, uh, encourage everybody in there to behave. Um, somebody somewhere is going to uh, need to know what the hell's going on. Uh, and so, uh, so again, we're between the rock and the hard place associated with those things. Uh, and, uh, and I guess uh, there's nothing that's perfect with every benefit. There's a disbenefit. So um, everything's a trade-off. I don't know. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, chime in here. Well, I, I, think there's a, I think there's a big difference between that between uh, Google, Alphabet Google uh, business plan and, or, or business model and, and Amazon. But I think that the, the basic idea that, yes, there will be a great opportunity for Waymo to support Alphabet to generate ad income. Um, but the, I mean, the main question is why? Why are they doing this? Other than having another way of supporting the uh, the main company, I mean, why are they, why are they in? Why are they doing this with with uh, with um, self driving cars or driverless cars? Why don't they just you know take over Uber and do the same thing with with drivers? And I and I think that that's the bigger question and I'm, I'll take that up in another issue of the dispatcher here I was just trying to you know to put some context on, on what it is and how they're approaching this business 
But you know, the other thing about this is that that in the same way that they closed just closed down their their uh, their social media, if it turns out that that they're not generating enough income and they are spending too much money, and the, the latest the latest uh, information on their their quarterly report indicates that they're putting a lot of money into to businesses, and this this is affecting their their margin. They could just they could just drop this like like a you know, like they've dropped other things in the in the past. It's it's not their their main business. Eighty six percent of their their revenue is coming from from advertising. That's their main business. It's not being in the taxi business, which, which is whether it's a person driving the taxi or or a robot driving the taxi. It's it's. I think we have to look at it in that in that way. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, and and uh, I I agree they could drop it. It's um, I, I as you know I I'm I'm a fan simply because um, because what the, what the the difference between them and 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 Uber or Lyft or DD is that is that they have the opportunity for scale, <clears throat> and 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 the other piece of it which is sort of an interesting piece that I've been sort of talking with others about is that is that the provision of the mobility using a computer should be able to deliver a much higher quality of service to more people because you have um, you have one um, uh, um, you you have late, less of a game system uh, by game system uh, you know games are, are where where entities are are basically competing and cooperating each with their own um, objectives you know sort of the john nash concept of uh, you know game theory and and part of the problem with respect to to uber and lyft is not only do they have to uh, when would would they like to uh, sort of optimize or do the best level of service to a user uh, they have to operate that thing so that it generates uh, enough um, revenue for the um, for the driver uh, to uh, to maximize his or her objective on that, and so there at times there's a competition with respect to that. Uh, maybe drivers don't like to provide the service to multiple people in their in their car, or they don't want to go there and pick somebody up, or they don't want to take them there, or this kind of thing. And some, or they want to go home, or they don't want to work, or you know, there there's that of. Uh, their objective that needs to be dealt with. Now, of course, um, you know, if you have a computer doing it, um, I'm sure Michael will say, well, uh, the entity that controls the, that algorithm wants to maximize the amount of money they want to make out of all this. And of course, sure. uh, and and so you, you, you don't get away from the problem that, 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 that I just posed and, and, and it might even exacerbate it. But it might also um, uh, uh, enable enable a, a, an easier way to uh, to have a public oversight and do regulation, uh, because then uh, it's easier to say, "Hey, you should be tweaking your algorithm this way to then deliver more public benefits out of this." Whereas uh, otherwise, I have to go out there and herd all those cats, as I like to call them, uh, that that perform that that service, uh, all the uh, gig workers. And my goodness, uh, uh, the, the effort that I have to go through to get them to do what the, what 
I might want them to do for good or bad reasons. It's just enormously difficult as opposed to on the other way. All I need to do is change a couple lines of code and I can achieve it. And a, a regulator can over can look over that and say, hey, uh, here's the data. Here's the thing. The, this thing should be working this way. Again, if the regulator is, is working appropriately, so and, and and it's much more transparent because, you know, it's data and algorithms. I don't know, uh, but that's the argument on the other side of the of the of the ledger. If, if we if we just go look at just the taxi business at the end of the of the Waymo uh, piece, I spe spend a little bit of space talking about why the taxi business ruined itself. It didn't have to. I mean, I, I've, I've, I took taxis in London when it was just the black taxis. I took taxis in Stockholm when it was just... Yeah, me too. Just, you know, and, and those, they provided you with a service. They knew where they were going. They, yep. they, you know, they were professional. <laughs> professionals. I don't take Uber. I don't, I don't use those services. When I get into a taxi in Stockholm, there are four or five different companies. I tell them, I'm going to go in Stockholm taxi. If you want to put me in another taxi, I'm going to wait here until a Stockholm taxi comes. That's the end of it. I'm not taking another taxi. You know, so I think at, at a certain point in time, we, we, we have we've decided that what's important for us is the absolute lowest price. And it's not service. It's not privacy. It's not all of these other things. It's it's getting, you know, rushing to the bottom with price, but in the end, you, you end up paying more. And I think that's, this is one thing that we have to be very careful with as we, we try to provide more and more different types of services that help people do things. In the end, people are going to start turning around and, and saying like they are with scooters in, in, in places like, like New York and Stockholm. Do we really want these things either adults or, or young adults or young people riding in traffic. We spent so much money making our cars impregnable so that people don't die when we're in there. And then we throw people out on the street with scooters and no helmets and, and, and they're in the middle of traffic or with, yeah. with electric bicycles. You know, I, yeah, I, I don't get me on that one because that, I, you know, holy, that is just, that is such a quagmire. I mean, it's, uh, uh, now you're intruding okay. in my walk space. I mean, come yeah. on. I, that, that's, <laughs> I'm not going to put up with that. <laughs> I'm gonna, as you go by, I'm just going to push you a little bit, and then you'll go unstable under the doom. Oh, my goodness. Oh, it's just uh, whatever. While we're on the subject of, of accidents, uh, Alan, you already alluded to it, but uh, Waymo is out with that 36-page guide for emergency responders and law enforcement. You've had more of a chance to look at it now? Yeah, no, I, I've looked at it, and, and I think what struck me with that, okay, uh, it, it's it, what struck me with that is the extent to which one needs the support services and um, and overhead, let's call it, to provide uh, this uh, this driverless service business. Okay, and and one of the things that I did in my testimony before the two committees um, at the New Jersey um, uh, State Assembly last Monday is um, I, part of my testimony. I even suggested that maybe what we need is some uh, legislation 
uh, regulation that at least in the begin beginning uh, forbids um, um, uh, manufacturers from selling driverless vehicles to us, the public. Uh, because in a sense, if we're going to do this, okay, and if we're going to say, okay, we're going to put up with the privacy, we're going to put up with the, in some sense, the business model, the fact that we are paying and so on and so forth <clears throat> uh, for, for using of this thing, these things, uh, when they go out there, if they are going to work, they are going to need such a support mechanism to enable them to work safely that that uh, us as individuals are unable to deliver uh, with it. Um, you know, once I was driving to uh, to uh, to JFK, and of course I was um, I was misbehaving or something. And I hit a curb, and I got a flat tire on the um, on the Belt Parkway. <sighs> and I had to pull over on the grass, and so I changed the tire. Uh, I changed the tire. I mean, if that's going to happen with a um, with a driverless vehicle, of course, a tow truck is going to have to come there and change the tire, and it will happen. Of course, it will happen. Uh, but but I was there to do it. Um, uh, unfortunately, I got back in the car and went back out on the gar- uh, on the Belt Parkway and realized, oh my goodness, I blew two tires, and <laughs> so therefore, then I was you know needed the tow truck. Never made. I was going to Sweden to that uh, <laughs> didn't make that airplane, um, <laughs> but. You're going to pick up your Nobel Prize. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, yeah, but 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 there's a, just an enormous amount of support that's going to have to be there, and 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 if we were to own these things, and all of a sudden uh, I dispatch mine to uh, JFK uh, to pick up Michael, uh, who's coming in on a flight, and that thing is going there all by itself. Uh, this, and something happens, and here I'm sitting here, you know, in, in the lap of luxury in, in Princeton. What am I going to do about it? You know, yeah, yeah of course, call AAA. Uh, but, I mean, it's just, you know, there's no, I, I'm not there to, to talk to the guy, at least when the guy came and, you know, flatbedded me uh, after I, um, whatever, that's a whole other story. Um, um, you know, I was there to ride in the truck and follow and, and sort of stay with my car. There's just an enormous amount of, of, of overhead of, of support that needs to be, and it almost has to be in a fleet context. You almost can't put these things out unless they are. Otherwise, I mean, these things are just going to be strewn around like all those uh, those electric uh, scooters. Or now, hey, I'm done with it. Boom, I drop it here. Whew. And then, you know, what do I care? I'm I'm not done. I'm I'm finished with the elevator. It's taken me to the twentieth floor. I'm going to my room. I don't care what happens to that elevator. I don't care what happens to that uh, to that scooter. I don't care what what happens to that uh, driverless car. Uh, it's now out of my life. Uh, somebody's got to care, and so it's not going to be that 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 simple. And and so you've got to do that. That's what I took from that. And of course, in a sense, also the amount of uh, you know really thought. I thought a lot of thought went into it. 
and of course, uh, um, Waymos put in the thought. I mean, they've 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 at least done this very seriously. I guess we'll talk about Elon saying, "Hey, you know, I'm going to go do this too." But we'll talk about that later. You all get there. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, uh, Michael, in the dispatcher, uh, you talk about Tesla Inc. Uh, which you label the most misunderstood car company. <laughs> Again, my point, my point was to, to try to put some clarity around what, what it, partly what, it, what I've been criticizing the company for. It's, it hasn't been for its approach to business. It hasn't been to, <clears throat> to, uh, for its approach to how it, it, builds cars and, and has built its its uh, company. I've criticized it primarily because of, of uh, autopilot and the, the, I think the irresponsible nature that or the, the way that they put that out on the, on the streets without really testing it. But what I wanted to do in this in this article was was to look at the company and why its valuation is so out of proportion to its sales and and its its profitability. It just announced this week that it had its first profit in, in a couple of years, and the likelihood that it's going to be able to continue in a profitable way is very small because of the high cost that it has. But looking at the company, what is it that the company is doing differently from all of the other car OEMs? And that's what I wanted to put into this article, and I hope that, well, I hope from the, the, the feedback I've gotten from my readers, particularly those working in, in car companies, it seemed to say, well, yeah, this is this is not your your regular car company. It's not GM. It's not it's not it's not even Toyota. Um, they've just they've done something that is completely different from what other companies have done since Henry Ford had an, a vertically integrated company where he he had the. He had the steel mines. He had the coal to uh, coal mines to, to create the steel. He had the rubber, um, and he built cars. We've gone in a completely different direction since then. And Tesla's brought us all back. I mean, they are they are vertically integrated in so many different ways that they're gaining value out of every single piece of of the car sales and production process, and. Even more importantly, they're in a position of collecting the kind of data that other companies are, are having a great deal of difficulty doing because of the way that they're, they're, the cars are built and the way the cars are, are, uh, are maintained. So. Well, Michael, I, you know, I think that, you know, that's why I, uh, this dispatcher or well, the other dispatchers have been great, too. But this is so good because, in fact, I think you hit on, on an enormously valuable point. I mean, it's amazing how much Henry Ford vertically integrated Ford. I mean, it's not only the things you mentioned. He even had a cinema company in which he basically uh, created, let's call, I'll call it propaganda, but, you know, whatever about how, uh, how uh, one needed roads to get farm to market uh, and so on. And that was, you know, directly integrated with uh, creating uh, somebody else paying for an in- infrastructure uh, so that uh, his cars would have some place to, to operate. And, and so absolutely. Uh, but, that you're, you're you've you've 
of course, hit the nail on the head on this. The vertical integration of Tesla uh, with respect to, again, it's, it's, it's data and information. And, 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 and not only that, I guess it's customer care. Well, I'll put a positive spin on it. It's customer care. Look, um, um, uh, GM created OnStar to connect to the customer, and 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 Mercedes had whatever they called it, and, uh, and embrace, embrace, and so on. And everybody talked, uh, you know, ten, fifteen, twenty years ago about, you know, they were trying to get get back into the car phone business. You know, they thought they they owned the car phone. That's why it's called car phone. Still, probably called that in, in England, uh, you know, because of course you needed a big battery and a big um, uh, place to uh, handle, place some place to put the darn thing. You know, you couldn't have a small car because the phone was bigger than the car. But no, that's whatever. But and and they 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 had that at one point, and of course lost it in, almost instantaneously, and been trying to regain it. And, Maybe they wanted to regain it to, to have information. I don't know. I think they wanted to regain it to, you know, get paid for the minutes or something like that. But maybe they they had better insight. I don't know than that. But it seems to me, you've, you, you know, you've hit the nail absolutely on the head that, that, that here Tesla, they do it for the information. The amount of information that they gather uh, continuously on not only the operation of their system so that they know exactly what's working, what's not working, and so but the ability to then take that and, and, and feed it back to you and, and, and improve it. Uh, maybe they're improving it for their own bottom line as opposed to my bottom line as a, as a potential owner, but is is amazing. You know, I, yeah, as I, I've written a couple of times, you know, in, in, in the, uh, 2014, I, you know, I bought an S class with all the, you know, 997 package and all this stuff. Yeah. Mercedes, except for spamming me with emails in a conventional way, has never um, uh, gone back and, 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 and tried to contact me in the car or even improve the car. Uh, and damn it, you know their their Distronic Plus, their 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 um, lane centering system doesn't work well at all. Uh, the uh, merge the the intelligent cruise control with respect to if I tap the brakes, turns the damn thing off as opposed to just the acceleration function doesn't work. But they've never fixed it. They've never upgraded it. They've never made any attempt, and it's just depressing. Whereas. <laughs> What the heck has has Tesla done? I mean, they, you know, they they updated. I don't know every night. I don't know something like that, and they know exactly what's going on, and they have the opportunity to do it. They have the opportunity to screw us just as well as to help us if they should choose so, and and that's of course uh, the enormous danger. But the business vertically integrating it, not only in the manufacturing, not only in the sales process, but now in the continuing ownership process, where, where in some sense, it almost makes uh, Tesla look like uh, they're going to uh, upgrade the thing that you bought in the past and, and continue to make it better as opposed to saying, okay, sucker, you bought it. You want a better one. Uh, go back to the showroom and trade it in and buy a new one. Uh, I mean, wow. Um, go, uh, Michael, jump in. No, exactly. And they, and 
the other approach on this. There isn't another car company that's even close to doing what Tesla has done. Well, Elon Musk, who I've, I've have had major difficulties with this guy. Yes. He does seem to be a, a, a loose cannon. But the one thing he did say when he was giving his, his uh, explanation of, the, of the, the latest results of the company, he said, we, we've had problems delivering our cars. We know that, and we know why they're having problems delivering their cars. He says, we, we had problems delivering our cars. We had customers calling us, volunteering to help us deliver our cars in certain in certain markets, how how can how can we possibly thank those people? He said something something to that nature, and the reason that people do that is because they know they've got something that's very special. It may not in some cases it, it acts like a toy, it acts like a computer, and yes, it doesn't always when you update it doesn't always work properly. It isn't the most my terms, it isn't the most beautiful car, it isn't the most well-made car, but it's it, putting it all together, it adds up to something that's much more than pretty much any other car that's on the market. And, and what I say in the last page of the article, if you want to do something about this, start thinking about doing it, starting from scratch. You know, don't, don't just build another car that's based on the same architecture, the same design, the same concept as we've been doing for the last 20, 25 years since we went to drive-by-wire, start doing it the right way. Build it from scratch, but look at what Tesla's done and try to learn something from it. That's my recommendation. Well, I mean, you, you, you point on another thing. that this um, When, when uh, I had ALK and we developed Copilot, the turn-by-turn navigation system, you know, one of the things that we did in the very beginning of that is that the, is that the system would uh, would cache the GPS data uh, that it used to do what what it did, and um, and the reason we did that is is so that we could um, if, if there was a problem with it, the the customer could send us the data. Uh, so we could uh, try to, you know, figure out what the heck happened, and with the with the data, you 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 um, you couldn't do anything. But what the data was really valuable to us for was to improve the the map underlying digital map database that all this was was based on, and and that's why we we stored the stored the information, and that's what we were intending to use it for. And 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 this data was just so valuable that the, that basically the customer was just out there collecting it, uh, you know, not even knowing in some sense that they were collecting it, um, sort of the crowdsourcing business. Mm-hmm. And then what amazed me about the process was. Um, even if the customer wasn't having a problem, just getting an email from me saying, look, uh, this is what we're, we're doing this with the data. What we use the data for is to, is to improve the map database uh, so that in fact, the next version can be better. Uh, please send us your data. And it was amazing the number of people who just wanted to help out. Who would, I, I, I had, I had a, a, a um, a minister in Delaware, you know, he went out and, and we had his, his all the data in his neighborhood and where he lived uh, all wrong. He went out and just drove it. So collecting the data and sent it to us. It, it just amazed me how much if you if you 
tell the customer that you're that you want to use it to to help that to help make the product better how many of them want to come out and just uh, help you make it better and i think that's kind of also the the, the esprit de corps that, that elon's been able to generate out of his his customers i think um, yes it, it all that stuff can really be misused but when he puts out a, 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 a you know some information saying that that in fact uh, the cars uh, that are driven, uh, his cars that are driven without autopilot crash at this rate, whereas the cars that have autopilot crash at that rate. I mean, this is just data. Now, it, it may not be that they've driven the same miles and the miles driven without autopilot are much more difficult miles to drive than the miles with autopilot. And therefore, of course, the, the, the crash rates should be lower and blah, blah, blah. And autopilot doesn't have anything to do with with making it, um, you know, crash less and so on. Uh, but at least the data for one that can do a, an objective look or uh, from the, from the, I guess Tesla's point of view, say, hey, how do we fix the problem? How do we make a night better? Now, maybe what they should do, or maybe what GM should allow them to do, is say, hey, whatever IP we have on on the 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 system that we put in a Cadillac CT6 that says that sits there and and monitors your you and make sure that you're behaving. And if you did misbehave, then then we'll just pull over and turn off autopilot. And until you agree to me behave, then you stand in the corner with your dunce cap on, and <laughs> um, uh, so on. And then um, then um, um, uh, but uh, to to make it better, but. <laughs> The ability to, to fully um, uh, vertically integrate now the customer through the customer experience and the lifetime of the product, you know, basically almost from design through, through uh, you know, from birth, to, from conception to interment, uh, you know, uh, of the product um, uh, is, is, as you point out, Michael, just, you know, phenomenal. A different kind of customer experience. Alan, you're also talking, though, about uh, Musk's comments during that uh, earnings call that the company will obviously be taking on Uber and Lyft with a self-driving ride-hailing service. You're pretty skeptical. Well, again, I, well this is where Elon's going, uh, you know, uh, loose on on the deck again. Um, hey, the autopilot is not is is not uh, prepared to do driverless. It can't take me from 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 point A to point B completely. You know, as I um, you know crawl out of the watering hole, uh, it's not going to drop me off on my doorstep so I can crawl into my bed. Okay, so um, it, it's 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 not there, or at least they haven't you know provided uh, the the information to suggest that it is there. So, um, or I guess I should say, I haven't seen it. Uh, so, um, and, and to think that they're going to do that and be able to compete with what a Lyft driver does or what a uh, Uber or a DD driver does or what a taxi driver does or a stock on it's just, uh, I don't know. Um, and and it's not an easy step. I mean, you've got to go through and and put together the entourage with respect to emergency preparedness that that the Waymo just put out and so on. So um, I don't know. That's that's my comment on that one, Michael. 
it's a different business model. Tess is in the business of, of getting, squeezing every every penny out of out of the money that they're that they're putting into their vehicles. Everything from from delivering energy to delivering information. It's 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 just a completely different business model than than Waymo or with their connection to Alphabet or Uber and Lyft as as essentially platforms for connecting people with the with the ride. Uh, and it's they don't have to do that. They're going to be their their sales are increasing. They're, if you look at the sales, the quarterly sales or monthly sales now in the United States, they've already passed Jaguar, Land Rover. They're going to be passing Volvo very quickly on a monthly basis. Their sales are increasing, and the more they sell, the more money they'll be able to squeeze out of everything that they do. So. Um, they don't need to be in the business. Yeah, and, and, and besides their sales, I think if you go to the EV electric vehicle reports and sales report and you look at the at the uh, monthly sales over the years, uh, you know, uh, let's say sales in July um, for the past five years of electric vehicles, uh, what you see in this past July is that there's an enormous rise in sales in August and September and October and, and so on. It's because they, they, you know, the Model Three line is is finally out there. They're more than they're more than half of the electric vehicle sales in the U.S. and and um, of all the other uh, um, uh, competitors, including the S and and the SUV of of Tesla, the Model Three has has fifty percent of the market, and and they are it's. It could very well be a juggernaut out there, <clears throat> and 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 in a sense, um, uh, um, I guess you know, Elon's pulled the rabbit out of the hat. I don't know what the short sellers are doing now. Uh, well, whatever. let me let me ask you this, Michael. Uh, in in the dispatcher, you mention uh, this Wyoming senator's efforts to end subsidies, the rebates for electronic vehicles altogether. Is that, would that electric, put a would, would, electric vehicles. right? Would that yes. put a damper on all this? Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's 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 the other side of this coin. Um, this that little little piece on on um, um, John Bra- Senator Barrasso, and he's totally right. I mean, if 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 our, the fuel tax is paying for roads and to a certain extent, paying for subsidies to transit. There's no money coming out of electric vehicles that's going into that, unless it's unless it's it's a, a hybrid or a plug-in hybrid, where they're buying some fuel. But if, if for a car for from a for a battery electric vehicle, there's no money coming out of that vehicle that's supporting the infrastructure. So they've been getting a free ride. There are a number of things that could eventually put a damper on on. The growth of, of uh, Tesla, which is a purely electric vehicle, or on electric vehicles in general, and that this is this is one of them. The other one I've, I mentioned in the other the other article on on the uh, UN report, the uh, United Nations Climate Panel report, where the more electric vehicles we put out there, the more electricity we need, and the more electricity we need, the more harmful emissions we're putting out into the atmosphere because most of our electricity in the world today is being produced using coal. Uh, 
so you, we haven't we're not going to discuss that that particular article in this this uh, discussion because we just don't have enough time <laughs> come on you open the door we got to whatever <laughs> go ahead this is, i think this is one of the most difficult issues that we have to address people are are, are pushing trying to push electric vehicles without looking at the real problem that we're that we're creating it's not just electric cars but battery bicycles and scooters and and more and more electrification while at the same time we've, we've got china producing 30 percent of the harmful emissions going out into the atmosphere 30 percent and and most of the, their electricity is generated with coal. You know, we have we have we have countries, at least in the United States, where our, our emissions are now fifteen percent. We were much higher. Um, a lot of our, our uh, energy, some states are higher, some states are lower, but but in general, we we're using much more nuclear energy, which. You know, we, we just, the Greens will, uh, environmentalists would, would say that you know that's the worst po- possible problem that we have. But but what's what's worse is it creating more and more harmful emissions through the generation of electricity, and the more electricity we need, the more harmful emissions go out there. Or is it is it closing nuclear power plants in Germany and and in in, uh, in uh, Sweden because we feel that that these are these power plants are harmful for the environment there's a there's a there's a very big disconnect between what policymakers are trying to do with electric vehicles in general and what they're doing about climate policy and somehow that has that that these issues have to be connected to one another right now they're not well, Michael, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you're looking at energy, and energy is is the environmental or or pollution problem, uh, therefore, what you want to do is you want to find out, you know, what's the most uh, uh, sensitive, what what's going to give you the biggest bang for the buck. Uh, in terms of the, the the buck you're trying to deal with, the buck here is is environment. The biggest bang for the buck is let's call it coal. I don't know if it's nuclear, but I don't want to argue about it. But let's call it coal. So therefore, you know, you get you get the most out of um, reducing coal. Great, uh, fine. Let's reduce coal, but we reduce coal, we reduce energy, uh, electricity. But you say on the other end, oh my goodness, we want to consume more electricity. Uh, okay, so now we're going to consume more electricity. Let's see um, uh, if uh, if uh, in in that consumption that let that electricity, uh, what are we not uh, consuming if we consume that electricity? Well, uh, it's called um, uh, petroleum. Uh, Well, um, how efficiently is that petroleum being used uh, now versus uh, producing that same thing with electricity? So let's look at the trade-off between petroleum and and coal because – because if I move it from petroleum, I'm going to move it to electricity. Electricity is going to mean that, that I won't be able to cut down the coal as much. And, you know, it says, okay, well, is, is, is the petroleum worse than the coal? And I think everybody agrees, at least the way petroleum is used in internal combustion engines today and might even be used tomorrow in tomorrow's internal combustion engine, that it's being used better than coal. So my goodness, we're moving to electricity, which means it's going to 
really in, uh, decrease petroleum, but increase coal, uh, we're going backwards. Right. Exactly. You know, I, I mean, you know, go I ahead. I have a note here from one of, one of my, my uh, good friends in the car industry. Um, he says, I'm translating now, it's in another language, but uh, he says, when, it, when we concern CO2, uh, I agree with you, the best, the best solution is a diesel engine with HVO, uh, hydrogen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Diesel bio HVO. So instead of instead of petroleum based diesel, it's it's uh, it's vegetation based diesel. Yeah. And yeah. I, and this. Yeah. So the the point is, what are we what are we trying to accomplish? Are we trying to to with electric electric vehicles? I mean, there's no there's no magic with electric vehicles. An electric vehicle, yes, it's got a lot of torque. It needs a lot of you know, speed and it's quiet. Uh, that's a, that could be a problem, but it's it's cleaner from from a number of standpoints. But if we're if we're really trying to improve the environment, electric vehicle isn't the answer. The answer is looking for ways of reducing the amount of, of harmful emissions. And it's not just the emissions coming out of the car; it's the emissions that are going into producing the energy that eventually is used in the car. And that's where I'd like to see much more focus. Really, an, well, and, an interesting and, and, discussion. And, yeah, yeah, and, and and in fact, if you take that even uh, to to where I want or where I argue and to, and take it is that if we really want to do this, um, uh, we should be looking at uh, moving people because that's where we uh, get uh, any um, uh, societal benefit is is in the quality of life improvement. Apparently, that's the only reason why people move. The only reason you go from A to B is because you're going to increase your personal utility. Otherwise, you'd stay at home in your parents basement and play video games or something i don't know but but uh, uh um uh you know if, if if that's it but what we need to do is is basically share rides and uh, in some places in new in manhattan you can share ride in 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 a subway and other places you can share ride in in the bus in the bus uh, but in, in many other places, you could share a ride in your car, which I know Michael doesn't like it because he likes he likes to drive his own car. But uh, but, you know, sharing rides is the, to me the uh, hey, if you're an environmentalist, uh, you can't be against that. Well, finally, uh, there's been quite a bit of press this week uh, about an MIT survey on the moral choices autonomous systems may oh, be confronted with wasting our time <laughs> well that's what i'm going to say on. here they're they're asking whose yeah. lives should be prioritized and alan we promise we're not going to spend much time on this but you, i think your thoughts are really valuable succinctly tell us what well, you're thinking i don't know sure there's a moral dilemma you know i have an option to kill a or kill b which one do i kill all uh, right uh, if those are those those aren't ever my only two two choices i could kill neither okay oh no but that's well that's okay whatever you made up the problem it's a made-up problem give me an i need another cocktail at this cocktail party to talk about that da, 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 and we'll talk about this <laughs> come on Plus, plus, it's not. Hey, it's probability one that we're going to kill the old guy, or probability two, 
probability two, probability one, that we're going to kill the kid. Which one do we do? There's never a probability of one or the, there's a probability that we're going to do these things. So we should be multiplying the probability that we're going to do the thing by the harm that we're going to cause and decide which one it is. And okay, we find the indifference curve. Uh, flip a coin. Then God, she gets to decide, decide then. And then, you know, we're drawn with it. I don't know. I mean, these things make decisions every 30th of a second on all sorts of dimensions and um anyway whatever it's you know and the the issue is also the humans we human drivers are sort of confronted with those same issues as well well it was yeah we are (laughs) and i guess we flip a coin or or i don't know what and we aren't i guess we aren't with you know uh Every once in a while, yes, uh, we're the, the, the two best things to do are exactly the same. What do we do? We flip a coin. Uh, okay, I don't know. I mean, I'm just there. There are just so many uh, more valuable things to spend one's time on than than the trolley problem. I mean, it, and it was it, it was invented by by philosophers, and so I mean, they just want to sit there and chit chat. Oh, right. The, the the reason we bring it up probably is because uh, when consumers look at, at headlines and they're thinking of autonomous vehicles this week, that's the story that they're talking about, you know, and. and yeah, I guess uh, whatever. If, if you don't. Uh, yes. It, uh, whatever. I don't know. Good. I'm glad we, we've made consumers happy. We had a morning program on, a, on radio uh, this week. I think it was actually it was yesterday morning. And it was a it was a young student of philosophy, and somehow she managed to get on the news. And she was she had written a paper about this, and it was the same story. And then she referred to the MIT survey. Uh, I remember looking at that survey and thinking, you know, somebody should really come into this discussion from a completely different angle. Human beings have been programmed from the time that they were able to think, maybe even before that, when we were, we were other kinds of, of uh, animals. Our, our DNA is based on reciprocal altruism. Everything that we do is, is basically programmed in our DNA. We do things for others because others are going to do things for us. That's the way we work. And if, if I'm going to drive my car and I've got children in the car with me, they're my children, I'm going to act differently than if I'm in that car by myself. I'm going to act differently if I'm a taxi driver with people in the car whom I do not know. We have there are reasons that we do things, but they're, they're and they and they're spontaneous. But they're not they're not just something that happens out of space or out of mind. They are things that are that we're programmed to do. And this whole business with the trolley problem and other philosophical discussions. They have no place in this. We're not going to be able to to give robots sentience in, in the way that we have sentience. We have they they will operate in some way that they're programmed to operate, even if even if it's in some way that they build this programming in them, themselves. And they'll they'll find reasons. Robots, I mean, will find reasons to do one thing or the other. That's not really an issue. I don't think we should even. I totally agree with Alan on this. This isn't something that, that we even should be discussing, particularly not in the way that this, the MIT study and P. 
people have been banding these things about. I need to, we need to get past that and say, if we're going to have robots driving cars, there, there needs to be responsibility. And the responsibility in the end will be humans. Robots aren't going to pay the bills. You know, companies who build robots may pay the bills, but they're, you know, they'll pay, pay them based on the, on the regulations that we set up in our countries and with insurance, with, with driving regulations, etc. There's a tort system, you know, within law, and I'm not a big fan of the tort system, but the tort system really is is the one that, that's going to deal with this. And, you know, that that's it. You make this decisions and the decisions end up, um, hey, they, they cause issues. The tort system goes out there and, and decides, OK, you have to pay this much, that much or, you know, this is this is what the result is of your decisions. And and so. In some sense, um, it it goes out there and resolves these things. <clears throat> Based on that tort system, you know, we might decide, oh my goodness, we had programmed this thing wrong. So of course, uh, we'll change the program. Plus, you know, <laughs> uh, all these all these decisions that that we make as individuals, we make as individuals. Um, as I like to say, you know, some people say, oh my goodness, you're being irrational, bull. I'm always rational. Uh, Michael, you're always rational with your own rationality. Hey, what made somebody else's rationality the right rationality? My goodness, when did they become God? I mean, are they that much of a narcissist to say, oh, it's my way or the highway? Uh, Come on. Now, you know, we could do what maybe the MIT study was trying to do. Let's see what the collective distribution is of these of these various value systems and so on and generate that distribution. And they made some sort of attempt to do that, but, uh, but it was a very weak attempt. And, 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 and again, uh, those things end up changing. Oh my goodness. Uh, how did we get to the situation where we are politically in the United States? Uh, that's because man, man, well, we didn't realize that, you know, people's uh, uh, fundamental value systems, uh, how that distribution had changed or distribution had changed over those that choose to go to uh, to the ballot box and, and pull the lever. I guess we don't pull levers anymore, whatever. <laughs> anyway, oh, we wasted too much time on it, Fred. <laughs> well, I, that is it for this edition. Uh, M- Michael? Oh, I, had a cocktail. I had a cocktail this morning while we were discussing <laughs> it, but now I feel better. I don't know. Michael, thank you again for your your great contributions. There's so much more in in the newsletter. Uh, where can people go to to find it? Uh, com. One word. It's and it's in there. I put it in. Terrific, and it's S E N A. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com on SoundCloud, Spreaker, Google, and iTunes, and on your Amazon Alexa. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with Alan Kornhauser. Thanks for listening. Huge savings on new and previously leased furnishings. That's right, huge savings. At Court Furniture Clearance Center, choose from our wide variety of new and previously leased furniture and decor for your home or office. You'll find sofas from $199.99 and more. Everything in our 9,000-square-foot showroom is Court-certified, guaranteed, and in stock, ready for delivery or to take home today. Visit our Chantilly Court Furniture Clearance Center at 13946 Lee Jackson Memorial Highway or go online at courtclearancefurniture.com. Mention Radio 20 and get 20% off.